Welcome to Disruptive Successor, a show for next generation leaders in family businesses and entrepreneurs who want to disrupt the status quo and take their existing business to a whole new level. We all know that what got us here isn't going to get us there. This show will provide inspiration, advice, and resources to help you create massive impact. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill, and my purpose is simple to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Hi, it's Jonathan Goldhill. Welcome back to another episode of the Disruptive Successor Show. Today, I have a guest with me who's in a similar business uh, that I'm in, but has a very different story. And one story I think that's going to be really helpful. So prior to coaching and consulting, Robin Osborne was at the helm of her family business for 33 years in Southern California. She took over for her father at the age of 21, managing over 40 employees with an employee retention record of over 28 years. With big shoes to fill and the company facing adversities, Robin found and implemented the operational tools that doubled the company's revenue in only 18 months. This experience gave Robin an intuitive understanding of both the employees and customers' needs and catapulted her into the career she has today. Today, Robin is an executive coach and business consultant who was recently given a second chance at life after undergoing emergency surgery to remove a baseball-sized tumor from her brain. Remarkably, the tumor was benign, but her recovery was no small feat. It took Robin a year to walk one mile. The same tools she uses to inspire transformation in her clients helped her achieve miraculous results in her own recovery, Robin's passion for exceeding expectations has allowed her to help hundreds break through their personal and professional goals. And through this work, her own practice continues to develop. Robin, welcome to the show today. Hi, Jonathan. It's great to be here. So what a great story. Let's just start with, uh, you know, take us back to your 21 years old and you're stepping in at the helm of your father's business. And so what was the business? What were the circumstances? You know, what was the background that, you know, did you grow up in the business watching it as a child? Like take us a little bit back to, you know, who was Robin Osborne growing up and then launching into that business? Absolutely. Well, I will say that um, first and foremost, I'm a twin. So I call my twin, my wingman. So I have a twin brother and I have two older sisters. So family businesses are all unique. They're all snowflakes. Our situation was definitely um, difficult in that my dad had had ran the company, owned it since 1983. 
1988, he took his own life. Mm. So we, we were actually working in the business. And so I understand when the parents aren't wanting to let go. Um, but for us, it was a, a, you know, devastating, unexpected. And my mother put us around the table, kitchen table and said, you can run the business and get along or we're going to sell it. We said we wanted it. Uh, my older sister was 25. My brother and I were 21. So we became a business owner. And one day we had 40 employees. Uh, we are an FAA repair station. So we actually overhaul landing gears. We do flap actuators, Sikorsky helicopter repair. We are uh, have done government contract work. We've overhauled every missile silo in the country. We do launch components that throw the trap door open. Wow. So high, high liability and uh, very technical. And so I'm proud to sit here today and say we've been in business for 75 years. I've been at the helm for 33. And I call myself an adversity warrior. That's amazing. I mean, <laughs> and so did was there a choice to choose between you and your brother where you made co-CEOs, which we, you and I know probably is a mistake in any business, but what was the process for putting you at the helm and not one of your other family siblings? So I'll say in 1988, my mom became the president of the company. So she took over as far as ownership. Mm -hmm. um, we have been at the helm from the operational standpoint. So in 30 years, my mom spent two days uh, visiting us. She literally is the art of delegation. So I okay. think through that true, uh, you know, it's, it's your baby. And Can we be clear though, are we talking delegation or abdication? What was it really? <laughs> well, she, she let us take it and run with it. Okay. And so we had a hundred percent responsibility. So at the, you know, for a 21 year old, I, we, at the time we were doing 2 million in sales, I believe, mm -hmm. um, or two or 3 million when I think back. So it, it I felt like I was 45 years old um, because of it, the responsibility and also when you're that young, what I would say from a leadership learning perspective is it took about five years to earn the trust and the respect of the employees. I we, bet it did. We, yeah. yeah. I mean, what does a 21 year old know about running a business or about managing people? And I imagine a lot of these people were much, much older than you. You're in an industry yes. that really required a lot of knowledge, specialized skill, training. So, so how did you go about earning that trust from them? What was that process like? Do you remember? Yes. For me, it was really about one-on-one, -on -one, about mm. helping them understand that first and foremost, you care. So I knew every one of our employees, I knew their kids' names. I would check in. I was personable. I made right the right decisions. So as far as right decisions in that, you know, we, we are lucky because we had a very dedicated, loyal crew, team, tribe of people. 
when, you know, we made some big mistakes um, just being young and and then the way you dust yourself off and and you know course correct is really truly how you earn the respect and also from a care point of view is that we always did things treated them uh like ourselves in that i think because of the way we lost our dad it was a we not a me and we never thought we didn't have the the toxic unhealthy relationships that can be created in family businesses out of entitlement or individualism. Uh, it was really about uh, building a legacy, like, like honoring my father and, and continuing the legacy. So it wasn't about ego. And for, for that, I'm, I'm very grateful for, so when, when you talk about, you know, good to great, Jim Collins, the mm -hmm. book, good to great, is that it's really about values and about building something greater than yourself. And I can honestly say we, we did that very young. So it's really quite amazing. So I know you know a whole lot about organizational structure and design and the accountability chart, which you've been teaching to clients for, I'm sure, more than a decade. But back then, you probably didn't know a whole lot about that. And so the the different siblings, did they did some people do, OK, you're, you're on the inside of the business, you're on the outside or or did you know enough to say you seem to be strong in operations? Hey, you're really good at finance. Hey, you're good at you know, leadership, like, how did you divvy things up back then? We, we knew our unique abilities and we each really? took a separate seat. So we were not on top of each other. Um, twins are very yin and yang in that. So, and then my, my middle sister, she's more quality oriented, had worked there since 1979, luckily. So she, she had a great pulse and, and, you know, we had gone there from right out of high school. So we did have knowledge. We were working in the company. We weren't expecting to be owners, but I actually went to college um, while I worked. So I got the, you know, academic knowledge and then would come back and, and bring it into the workplace the other thing is when I was going to school, I wrote a 10 year business plan. And unknowingly, wow, amazing. <laughs> unknowingly, and, and let's just say it was on an IBM Selectric 2 typewriter. Okay, right. Okay, <laughs> let's state ourselves. <laughs> okay. Um, and we hit the that 10 year target. That's amazing. 10 years. Yeah. And, so, and the, the business is still going today. Is that, is yes, that right? Is. Do I understand? 75 yes. years strong. Fantastic. And you're still operationally involved in the business? I am not. So once okay. COVID hit and then through the, so what I would say is in my journey of the last, you know, 33 years is that about every eight to 10 years, you're going to have what I call preaks and pre-peaks instead of preaks and valleys. You're going to have right. at least two not so great years. So for us, COVID impacted our business 
very much. Yeah. And in addition to that, um, the surprise of having a baseball size brain tumor really changed, I would say, the my perspective in life. And I I learned uh, some of my best lessons in Mm. life. It was a true. Honestly, it was a gift. Um, the fact that I got a second chance and I'm here by the grace of God, it, it has really, um, just every day is a free day and I'm grateful for little things, speaking, walking, talking, and from a family business perspective, interesting when something like an emergency comes up because what we do in addition to structure is proactive and strategy plans. And we, you know, we were very dialed in, but then right before surgery, you know, I've done the billing for the government for 30 years. No one knows how to do that. So So I've actually video myself. Okay. Good to you before surgery. That's amazing. All right. So take us through. So you discover that you've got a baseball sized tumor in your brain and like, so then what? I mean, so I went to emergency three times. My, and my twin actually said he, he was realizing I was unhappy and frustrated. I was actually cussing a lot. I was Mm -hmm. working on Zoom and COVID. I worked with clients facilitating and uh, and I went to the emergency three times because I just I had some some stuff going on and I knew something wasn't right. They kept telling me I'm fine. So the third time I started seeing a purple circle on the wall and I went to emergency and I looked at the doctor and said, look, you're missing something scan my head and mm-hmm. there it was wow so wow. they said this is going to take your life you're a couple days away because the okay. pressure was so bad i've had it my whole life and it just continued to slowly grow Okay, hold on, back up. So I just had my arms up because we had some kind of an internet connection issue and probably on my end, so I apologize. That was God, no. (laughs) Back up. (laughs) All right, so let's, I don't know where we picked this up, but uh, yeah, just retell some of that story if you don't mind. Sure. So I was diagnosed in emergency and we had literally to go into emergency surgery. they told me I was a couple days away from it taking my life. And so then we go into crisis mode as far as I had to say goodbye to my kids, my husband, my family, not knowing the big risk was if I would ever speak again and a carotid mm-hmm. artery straddled it. So they didn't know if I would make it like a lot of risks that they have you sign wow. off on. But wow. the good news is, is I woke up. Speaking, um, the nurse told my husband, uh, please tell her to calm down because she's trying to take control of the ICU. 
because I was trying to tell the nurse how to do her job. (laughs) So, um, but the family really engaged and supported me in my recovery, which was 24 seven care. And they worked in shifts. That's amazing. And you say it took a full year before he could walk a mile. So that must've been a very difficult year for you. It, I would say it was a year of blessings in that mm. the tools that I implement with clients, a customized operating system, I used in my own recovery. And so what would that look like? So yeah. first and foremost, I operate off of four values. Mm-hmm. And it's from the book, Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Right. So be impeccable with your word. Always do your best. Don't take it personal. Don't make assumptions. So for me, you know, physical therapy was hard to describe in words, but very difficult. And some days I would wake up and wouldn't want to go. And then I would align in be impeccable with your word. You have the appointment. You need to show up. That's when you're going to get your breakthrough. And what I would say in in family businesses is, is that the, you know, we can't change what we tolerate. So we've got to look at the mirror and start with ourselves, not point the finger at the family member or somebody else, but really step into, am I showing up in alignment with those core values that are in our business? If you don't have them, I would say foundationally, that is game changing because again, it's not personal. So you do need to separate family and business in the way that you're executing. And it gets complex. It gets mixed up. And depending on where that family business is in their season, right, of if they're transitioning to the next generation if if there's conflict or it's not healthy maybe you have the wrong person in the wrong seat Mm -hmm. though these tools will help you get open honest transparent without the family needing to to be busted up or you know something really negative Yeah. yeah So important. So, so you call yourself an adversity warrior and Mm -hmm. that sounds very descriptive of the process that you went through and, you know, just your, from your personal experience, it must be something that you're able to help others today to step into their power uh, against all odds or adversity and help them be, you know, approach it life like a warrior. And use the four agreements to support, you know, who they are and how they're showing up. I think that's great. Really wonderful. Tell Thank us a little you. bit more about that. What are your thoughts on well, being an adversity warrior? When I first took over the family business, because it was so sudden, I thought truly in life that was going to be my biggest challenge. And then once we got control and got on the other side of it and really used tools to get what I call freedom and relief, then I thought I'm, I'm good. Right. But 
unbeknownst to me, I had, so I call challenges opportunities. Mm -hmm. God had another opportunity for me. And thankfully I got a chance to be here and the wisdom that I now come with is changing your have to's to choose to's meaning every, every day that we wake up, we have a choice. Right. And right. in grow, I mean, life is a learning process, right? Yep. We're every day we're growing, we're learning, we're either in the process of living or the process of dying. Mm-hmm. And get a coach. Just like you have a PT, a physical therapist, or you have a personal trainer. What coaching does for the business is help the family members step outside and work more on the business than in the business. And it also allows them to create more personal space for growth for themselves as an individual. Mm -hmm. So head trash is oftentimes, you know, you and I understand head trash. Let's maybe define it for our listeners, but it's basically the thoughts that go through our head. I would say that, that keep us uh, stuck maybe because of the, uh, what my, one of my mentors used to call the FUDs, fears, uncertainties, doubts, suspicions, um, but, or, or limiting beliefs, which is part, part of Byron Katie's work, Mm -hmm. you know, is, is, is believing that something is so when it isn't necessarily so what are some of the tools? Of course, Byron Katie's is is a good example of a tool, but what are some of the tools that you, might use to help people unpack the head trash and go from chaos to clarity or from challenge uh, to opportunities? <laughs> well, first, I want to say I actually own the domain head trash. So okay. if you go to headtrash.com, you're going to get my website. Oh, great. Um, secondly, the I love what you said about limited beliefs, because here's the blind spot. A lot of Mm -hmm. times people don't recognize if they're actually speaking from the past, right? They're being a victim. So two lowest levels of energy, victim and anger. Mm -hmm. We want to come from, you know, servant leadership, Mm win-win. But also we may be dealing with assumptions, interpretations, or in family business, there are limited beliefs are are strong. Yes, exactly. So I I think... I believe what one tool that was game changer for me is disc in Mm -hmm. that because my brothers and sisters, we were familiar with our talents and our unique abilities, but you forget your strengths and you also need to get clear on what your motivational drivers are because we're not, not everyone is the same. So different values different things are going to inspire and empower each family member. So as far as the tools for head trash, my, my go-to is disc and then through coaching. So I really listen, I'm not certified in NLP, but what I'm listening for. So when clients are using words like we're trying, or I don't know, kind of, sort of, probably, I think so. Mm-hmm. There's no clarity there. Right. So that's, Those are great. 
So let's let's back up for a second because you use an acronym that people probably are not familiar with, NLP, which stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming, which I first learned about in a Tony Robbins workshop here in New York City in 1984, I believe, when I walked across the hot coals on a Thanksgiving weekend and uh, outside of a famous old hotel. But I think NLP is fascinating. And so, you know, a little bit about it, it sounds like. So just, you know, describe it in your own words. And maybe you just did with those I, I think I can, I'm trying, you know, there, are, there is no trying, there's either do or no do Yoda said, right? So like my definition of trying is admitting failure. Okay. <laughs> so you, you can really, if you're, I would say listening is a beautiful talent, a beautiful strength to to what I would say, strengthen the muscle for every person in a business, because with families, we're conditioned to we've known them our whole life. So we're not completely present or really listening to hear. We're listening right. to react. Yeah, that's true. And ego. So I'm more dominant. Um, I would assume I already know the solve, right? So if we're meeting, my attention span's already shut off because I we're just going to go with with my solve. Well, mm-hmm. that's a stuck. What I right. recognize through the tools, through implementing the freedom framework in my company, is that I had to take a step back and really look at how I was engaging and. You can also, you know, you can make a change today to to look forward and let go of the past. So a lot of families are still dealing with what happened last week or last year, or they're carrying burdens. They have a chip on their shoulder. So we need to get healthy. And and really, if we're 100 percent all in, all on the same page for achieving a compelling vision then we do need to work on the head trash. Right, and so sometimes what, you got to. You, you yeah. talked about a freedom framework what, what or frustration to freedom framework. What is that exactly? Frustration to freedom framework. First and foremost, what I would say is as a coach, I believe, you know, um, diagnosis before examination is malpractice. Right. So what I would say is to depending on each company's unique, wherever they are they're you know, like I said, people are snowflakes and so are businesses. Mm -hmm. The freedom framework is really about looking at the company, dumbing it down. You have people, you have process, you have a playbook, you have performance. It's key components that -hmm. we're going to look at to see where what's working, what's not working, what is going to give us. And here's the other thing, a new, uh, I would say, um, aha for me is that people, family businesses are not using the right measurables, KPIs to drive the business. And so... 
let's get into that in a moment. But but first, so you were an EOS implementer for Correct. seven years, certified. And and so and then you said earlier, maybe got broken up a little bit. So let me just repeat it. Diagnosis before examination is malpractice. And so thinking about going back to the years when you were implementing EOS and probably doing it purely from start to finish, from the 90 minute meeting all the way through mm -hmm. to the each quarterly. Um mm -hmm. How does that fit with the diagnosis before examination is malpractice? I mean, they're not really diagnosing. They're just they're, But it's it's a very prescriptive model. And it's saying that everyone who follows this prescription will get better, basically. Is it not? I would say complicated, not an easy okay. answer. And here's the truth. First mistake I'm going to own right now is. I self-implemented in my company. Okay. I should have should have hired a coach. So right. ego, ego plays a big part in a lot of business owners think they know what their issues are. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say is yes, the the EOS um process that I was certified in for seven years, it's a wonderful foundational system to begin once you implement it and really get traction um you know as your business scales so do your issues and right. what i would say with you know depending on your implementer depending on your coach because there's an eq emotional mm -hmm. intelligence component to it so as a coach and a facilitator, we we really need to do our work. We need to understand, you know, the family dynamic. What's actually, you know, is there an elephant in the room? So it's one thing to have simple tools. It's simple, but it's not easy. Mm -hmm. right. And it's really the coach, the, you know, implementer, the facilitator that's going to, um, I would say that's my unique ability is the mm -hmm. people aspect sure. uh, of it. And that's where you're going to get your true transformation. If, Agreed. if yeah. Agreed. But it, almost the diagnosis before examination is malpractice suggests a more consultative approach before mm -hmm. just prescribing or starting in a certain place. So, so I, I got into coaching in 2003 or four, and we had kind of probably like strategic coach. A, uh, mm -hmm. a It was a quarterly business model. We brought a group together and I knew what I would be teaching probably around two o'clock in the afternoon of quarter three, because that was mm -hmm. the leadership module, you know, and quarter two was the sales module or whatever. And so, but some people came to me and they really wanted the leadership model, like right up right away. That was what they needed help with. And others, they, you know, sales wasn't even an issue maybe. So it was a challenge I found to do the group coaching because you had to follow this curriculum. And mm -hmm. while the content was good, people didn't want to wait nine months to get to the leadership component of their business. And so 
maybe like your frustration to freedom framework, my seven P's framework allows anyone to start at any P or any point, right? Whether it's people or process or priorities or performance or, or planning. I mean, and yeah, you've got to be somewhat fluid. So we're on the same page there. And what I would say, you have to turn over all the stones. Yes. And because just because a business owner is saying we're good, doesn't mean they're good. They may have their blind spots. And so getting curious, getting curious is money in the bank to, to really ask and know how to, you know, ask right, the right questions Mm -hmm. to determine what's going to give us. Cause here's the thing. We're there to help solve, but right. but got to deliver outcome. They've got to get results. So what's the highest impact? And, and you know, we're going to get that first. Where is, and so I, it's interesting through my recovery process is I understand that businesses are like the whole holistic body. So is the holistic business system. And, you know, blood pressure, oxygen, the key health components are just like the KPIs regarding cash flow, revenue concentration. All of that is what I would say. One of my favorite sayings is we have to stop firefighting and become smoke detectors. Because a lot of businesses are causing their own chaos by not proactively managing their numbers, as well as they're not having the difficult conversations. So a lot of executives are in resistance of handling their people issues. Yeah, it's a huge, huge problem. And uh, sometimes exposing it in a public workshop with your with the group can be a very difficult and very painful experience as I just witnessed with a client just a few months back. Um, so that right people, so what right they seats. Say? Yeah. yeah. What? Praise, praise in public. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. criticize in private. Yeah. We try to do a public process around rating people for uh, fit to the different values and using the GWC, which is gets it wanted capacity, or you know, I mean, I had some a, diff, a different acronym yeah, yeah. That in the US, uh-huh. um, and voting on people whether they yes or no got it. And uh, yeah, there was one person actually the leaders, the leader, the CEO of the company scored the second to lowest on the values, which was shocking not yes. not shocking actually, but kind of disturbing, and uh, and. One of the VPs got very low marks from the others, and it was a bit of a uncomfortable, somewhat humiliating process that I would never do publicly ever again. So live and learn, make mistakes along the way. Um, but I, I just want to share really quick. That's in, it's very telling mm-hmm. because here's here's the truth: is personal transformation so really owning these tools not just on a business level but personal level is key because if you are not in alignment with your own values you have a very unhealthy culture in your company yeah, yeah. and my 
my learning in my own business firsthand was I got stuck about 25 years in and I, I was pissed. I was frustrated. I was a hamster on the wheel doing the same thing, getting the same results would come in a few minutes late, walk around with my hands on my hips. That was not helping by leading by example. And once I recognized I'm part of the problem, I started showing up an hour early. I started motivating, started having meetings about the vision and where we were going and how we were growing and really inviting in, not volunteering. Mm -hmm. That's when our business transformed. I like that. Volunteering. That's great. (laughs) Robin Osborne original, it sounds like. Thank you. So it's like you have some good, so some good um, sayings and uh, reframing of of words or ideas, and that fits into your NLP comment earlier. All right, let's talk about uh, KPIs because you touched on that, and I know that's mm-hmm. something that uh, is really important to you. I mean, I know. Look, you're a coach like myself, and you're you see the full gamut of operational, financial. Uh, leadership, uh, sales and marketing. You're, you're looking at the strategy as well as the mm-hmm. execution. Um, you understand the limitations of certain uh, playbook systems that don't really have much in the way of strategy. But KPIs is something that's you're you're really interested in and in keying in on. Um, and my thoughts on KPIs, first of all, are that every company probably has very different KPIs. Uh, depend upon the type of business and the the business model. Um, you know, some companies, cash and financial metrics uh, will be the most important things for them to track. But um, in other cases, be operational. Uh, and I mean, generally, I think it's good to have a balanced scorecard of all these things, mm-hmm. right? Including employee and customer numbers and and things like that. But most importantly, the KPIs, I think, that need to be tracked besides the probably the, some standard obvious ones are the areas that are causing bottlenecks in your company or are, you know, where there's obstacles or constraints or where you're not doing well or where you've benchmarked against competitors and really need to improve in that area. So what are some of your thoughts on on KPIs and and uh, how to improve KPI management in, in a company? Yeah, I I would say first and foremost, getting curious, creating a a weekly measurable. So again, weekly breaking down weekly measurables to more uh, leading than lagging so we can drive it. But it's really what is the outcome we're looking for? And then how do we reverse engineer it in action? And what does that look like on a weekly basis? So when we, especially in a family business, I would say is, you know, depending on what seat each person has, but we're, we're not always doing what we say. And by having that lag of action, it's, it's affecting your bottom line. Another thing that, that is really uh, surprising to me is a lot of clients that I've gone into is that they have 
customers that are more than 20% of their revenue concentration and what what the that how that impacts them is if first and foremost it's risky and also if they're you know going to exit want to sell it actually lowers the value of your company considerably 100% yeah what about some KPIs that would relate to oh maybe the number of hours that you work in your business um, or the number of days that you take off. I don't have any uh, clients that track those on a weekly scoreboard, but I know that Dan Sullivan, strategic coach, uh, talks about counting up the number of free days that you have and the importance of that. And I know he's probably talking to a lot of professional service providers. These could be wealth managers, uh, finance and insurance executives. and you know, really taking time away from the business, uh, I think is mm-hmm. super important. But, you know, given what you went through personally and the transformation you went through, I, I imagine you must have some thoughts around people tracking their their personal improvement and their personal health and and that you find there's some correlation between business health and personal health. So I want to just open that up to yeah, your, there's your thoughts actually on the subject. Some- I, I'm very passionate about this. I'm a Catapult certified coach. What is Catapult? It's a KPI centric software. Mm-hmm. Um, what they have is for CEOs and executives is they have seven drivers. The first one is called a U driver. Mm-hmm. So what is a U driver? This is the professional breaking down what what really you know makes them fully charged what is it that we need to do quarterly weekly so how many books are you going to read this quarter how many dates have you gone on with your significant other is it going to be once a month twice a month so what's what do you value if it's time with your kids Because I see, you know, and I'm going to be honest, especially since I lost my father from depression and he was very overwhelmed by the business, is that taking care of you first really is being a true leader. Because if you're coming in, you know, didn't sleep well, haven't exercised, uh, a little too much wine the night before. So what what gives you your best? How, what does that look like? And so, you know, we coach on that because a lot of, I, I just talked to a, you know, VP of a very, you know, publicly public company. He's not, he's second. Well, from what I experienced with, ignoring my health issues almost killed me Mm. and we really need to be proactive in our own weekly quarterly or monthly measurables and and relationship as well because the two things that most if you do a balance wheel it's going to be time and and relationships friends family that are going to be low and and that really energizes people, 
you know, because yeah. why are we here? Hundred percent. Yeah, that the wheel of life exercise was something I started doing back in two thousand three with clients, and is really helpful tool for coaching because it helps to figure out where your wheel is flat or or uh, not very expansive. And our job is to help them make that more expansive. So, and well, Robin, the, yeah, I was going to say the head trash around time. So yep. here's where you take the shift the mindset mm -hmm. and then create a measurable. So delegation is not something that comes natural for a lot of leaders. Yeah. So from a coaching standpoint, I challenge the executive. What's how many hours a week are you doing your paperwork? Five hours a week. Okay. You and the best version of yourself, how much value do you add to the business? $5,000 an hour. Okay, that's $25,000 a week times 52 weeks is a million dollars. That's the opportunity. That's what it's costing you to do five hours of paperwork a week. Amazing. That's great. Yep. <laughs> and that's something you're either robbing from your company or from yourself, right? You're either putting in more time to make up for those five hours or you're stealing from the company because you're getting underpaid or you're, I mean, you're paying someone, you're overpaying yourself for something that someone else could be doing for a fraction of the price. So, so the insight I would say to end on is what you and I do mm -hmm. in helping business owners become and people better is priceless. hundred percent. I agree. All right. So Robin, if people want to learn more about Catapult, uh, mm -hmm. you have an offer to make. Is that right? I do. I would love to spend 30 minutes with you. And first and foremost, seek to understand. So again, I want to know where your pain is. I want to share the tool. You can go to followupwithrobin.com. That goes directly to my calendar. And I look forward to meeting you. That's a great, uh, great call to action. I appreciate the offer. I think uh, hopefully you'll hear from some people on it. Robin, it was great to have you on the show. Your story is literally life changing. And I love the paradigm shifts that you've brought to this conversation and that you probably, I'm sure, bring to all your clients just in repositioning some of the words and thoughts and the head trash uh, it's a great story around family business, and you do sound like you truly were and are a disruptive successor. So uh, thanks for being on the show. Let me make sure I'll get you a copy of my book. Um, folks, you know the drill. If you like this show, share it with people. Tell people about it. Give us a great rating on your podcast listening application of choice. And stay tuned for future episodes. Thanks a lot. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill, and my purpose is simple, to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it 
and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Thank you for joining us on the Disruptive Successor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, review, and share with a friend who would benefit from the message. If you're interested in picking up a copy of my book, Disruptive Successor, go to DisruptiveSuccessor.com.